0: Hey guys, just wanted to say thank you very much for the warm reception you guys gave Luke last week and myself. That was probably the most fun I've had recording the podcast so far, and I'm happy to be able to do it this week, so I wanted to keep this intro short, and let's get right into it. I, don't, I think the Hawks might have... Is this the best case scenario for you guys? Because you knew you were never going to win, but you had the first half. Uh, like, could you have asked for a better game? Like, obviously, if you lose close, it feels better. But I think you guys gave them your best punch. But the Niners are just that good. Yeah, I honestly, the outcome of the
1: game, I'm super happy with because honestly, Gino and the offense looked really good. Uh, uh, there was one possession where. Um, when I was watching the highlights because we were at the wedding, Gino fumbled. Um, so they could have potentially put up 30 points on that 49ers defense. So, And considering two rookie tackles, Geno Smith, no expectations against that defense, it, it couldn't have gone better. Because I've always known that the Seahawks defense this whole year has been giving me a heart attack. And – I, I'm really excited for next year. I know the offense will be good, but it'll be interesting to see if Pete Carroll changes his changes his defensive scheme and who they pick up because that, that side of the ball just needs some work. But if they can improve that side of the ball, it's going to look so promising. So as a Hawks fan coming out of that game,
0: I couldn't be happier. So with the Hawks, they've got the fifth overall pick, and then they have, they're locked into the 20th pick in addition to two second-round picks. What is re-signing Gino a priority in your eyes? Is getting quarterback a priority in the draft at some point, whether high or like a mid first round pick to second round pick? What what's what's the off season look ideally for you?
1: Yeah, I I think Gino had a really intriguing press conference after that game because what he said was um. I owe it to Seattle because without them, I'd probably be out of the league by now. So he, I think the sounds of it is he's willing to sign for a cheap deal. Just to owe it to the Seahawks for that. And if they could get Gino on a cheap deal, that'd be huge. Cause at that point I I'm not worried about getting a, a quarterback on a rookie deal. I, I I honestly think if Gino signs for cheap, I would just keep see if we could bring Drew Drew Locke back because he's already that guy that has all the physical tools and he's been able to watch Geno and, you know, learn the system for a year. So I I wouldn't be mad about just keeping those two if the price is right for both. I think that'd be perfect. And uh, I I would say about 20 million a year for Geno that I I don't know if that happens, but I think that would be money and we just stick with the same quarterbacks and just improve this defense. Cause as long as they improve the defense, I think they, they could compete with the top teams in the NFC. Cause not a lot of teams are really competitive other than, you know, the ones that are in the final four right now.
0: Well, and with that seventh spot in the wild card now and with how bad the division is looking, especially with the Cardinals firing the GM, firing their coach, DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's on the way out. The Rams are in worse shape than the Niners or the the Cardinals are, and like you said, with the NFC being the way it is, I not sh- I won't be shocked if the Hawks are again in the wild card or even vying for the division. I, I don't think that they'll be able to go toe to toe with the Niners, um, but I think they could steal a game from them. I mean. They, they showed a lot of – and they showed a, a flaw in the Niners defense that isn't talked about a lot. Said, you can throw on the Niners pretty well. DK had – I mean, he had a way better day than anyone thought that he was going to. And I don't know if any team's going to be able to necessarily expose that in the NFC. I, I still have my questions about the Dallas uh, passing attack as well as – I mean, I guess the Eagles <clears throat> probably posed the worst threat. The Giants – No, no, not at all. But I think if the Niners do make it to the um, Super Bowl, the AFC has nothing but great passing attacks left. So um, I won't be shocked if they get got that way. But that pass rush is so good with Nick Bosa that I still see them as the best team in the NFC. And that's even with Brock Purdy, who – Look, everyone's giving him his flowers because he hasn't lost. He's looked really good, but um, he's so clearly a product of this Niners team. If you put him on the giant or if you flip him in Gino, he's nowhere near this. Right? Like I'm not crazy. Like I, I saw what I saw. Like he he almost got Jennings killed on one of those plays, but Jennings made an amazing catch. He uh redirected himself to catch the ball. But um, at some point, the wheel's going to fall off of Brock, right? He's not going to continue being this amazing.
1: Yeah, I think I have an interesting analysis on this Dallas-San Francisco game that we'll talk about later. But, you know, I re-watched that Hawks-49ers game. Luckily, I missed the bad parts of the Seahawks defense because we actually had to start the ceremony right at halftime. But, uh, yeah if you just watch that game, Brock Purdy, you know, he typically has pretty bad mechanics. So Kyle Shanahan does a great job of just scheming people wide open and don't get me wrong. Brock Purdy for seventh rounder. He could see the wide open guy. He can maneuver the pocket. He's got underrated speed, but his mechanics and accuracy are just not there. So I almost wonder what it'd be like if he faces a real defense because I don't think he's really faced one yet, which will be interesting to see against this Dallas team. But it it was so interesting to watch because he was missing guys left and right, not good accuracy to wide open people. But you look at the box score and you're like, holy crap, he's got 300 yards and all these touchdowns and what I watched on film doesn't correlate to the box score. So he's definitely an interesting quarterback to talk about.
0: Exactly. If you just look at the box score, he had over 300 yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown and you're like, "Oh, is he like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL?" I don't think anyone is reasonably making that argument, but it just goes to show that you can't go off of the statistics alone cuz he has he doesn't have good skill players he has elite skill players all around him like Kittle's elite Debo's elite McCaffrey is elite and I'd put Ayuk as great um, yeah I don't Ayuk know is slept on though exactly. I, I think he's pretty good you and I have been on the Ayuk train for the past three years we both got burned in fantasy picking him up but I think he's very underrated and I guess I'd still probably take their skill players over anyone in the NFC and maybe even the NFL as a whole. So yeah, the Eagles have AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, but I'm taking Kittle over Dallas Goddard and I'm taking McCaffrey over any running back that they have. Oh yeah. On the Eagles. It's the same thing with the Cowboys. I think that I like CeeDee Lamb a lot. I think he's proven that he's worthy of being a top ten receiver this year, but I mean Debo is, he is is so versatile in what he can do that as long as he stays healthy, he's arguably the most deadly weapon that any team in the playoffs have left. But unfortunately, this wasn't the most interesting game of the day because later that night, it was looking amazing. Uh, The reception had just gotten done. We were sitting down to eat. Um, Everyone was feeling really good. I checked the score. Chargers are up. I believe it was 24 to nothing at that time. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Cool, cool, cool. Then they go kick a field goal and go up 27-0. I'm like, oh, man, okay. Well, Trevor's just, it's just, they don't have it today. And then later that night, I have my brother and two of our friends running up to me. Like, the Chargers just blew it. They lost 31-0 to or 31-30. to I'm like, what? How did this happen? So here's what I saw after I went and rewatched the game. The Chargers just did what every badly coached team does. They get up to a large lead and then they don't. They, they... Austin Eckler, Josh Kelly, and the rest of their running back core only got seven carries in the second half. Seven, and I understand that you know Justin Herbert. I think he's still a top-five quarterback. We can talk about that in a second because that's a hot topic as of late. But at minimum, if you run the ball three times, you're going to burn close to two minutes off the clock, and then you punt and kick it if you don't get the first time. But say you do, you can can burn up to six minutes off the clock. All you have to do is kill 30 minutes. And the Jags only had the ball four times in the second half, but they – Kept drives alive. They kept going for it. They had nothing to lose. Trevor Lawrence, after throwing four picks in the first half, came alive and proved why he was worthy of the first overall pick. I'm not going to give him all the credit, because I think Doug Peterson deserves a lot of flowers for this game. But I think it's every bit to do with the Chargers letting the Jags stay in that game, even though it was 27-0.
1: Yeah, I I remember in the – when we were at dinner at the wedding, I I saw a text from Zach, he's on the far end of the table, and he's just like, what's up with Jacksonville? He's texting me that. I'm just like, I don't know if to give Staley credit, but I feel like he's going to choke this game for whatever reason. And, I mean, you could combine that with uh, Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, but that team – what a catastrophe. I mean, I just feel bad for all Chargers fans because they just get the most electric players and they totally deserve a Super Bowl, but they just can't do it in the playoffs for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, I think uh, this... You you talk about how the uh, Chargers didn't run the ball that much. Um, I think one excuse for that is that... They have so many injuries on the offensive line, and they're definitely not a team that can just ground and pound on anyone. Even whether you like Austin Eckler or not in fantasy, like they straight up just can't run on anyone, especially if Jacksonville's just trying to stop the run. They're so dependent on Justin Herbert to make make these throws and short throws. I really think that Vince Lombardi was like, I don't know if we. I don't know if we could run it on them. So I'm just going to depend on Justin Herbert on the short game because that's what we can do. And, you know, I think that was stupid of them because, like you said, all you got to do is just get one first down maybe and run it three times at six minutes off the clock. But I do think the Chargers just have major personnel issues that they have to address in the offseason. They definitely need a new OC, which is why I'm happy they fired Joe Lombardi. Um you know, you have Justin Herbert. You need I I think you brought the point on Twitter that um they need to hire Frank Wright. That'd be a dream
0: scenario because Frank Wright's never had a quarterback like that. Oh my god. God What, What he did with well, I mean, we saw kind of what he could do with a quarterback like Herbert is what he did with Wentz in 17. I mean, Wentz was the MVP, he would have been the MVP if he didn't get injured and Frank knows how to scheme up a run game, too. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was an amazing running back last year. He made Marlon Mack relevant. Um, I believe they had Jay Ajayi the year they won the Super Bowl in 17 with the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Uh, He resurrected his career for one last run, and then Ajayi was out of the the league. And I think with – I think with Bryce that I would be okay retaining Staley. But Staley's got to get back to – why he was I guess I don't want I don't know impressive because they didn't make the playoffs the first year, but why everyone was like, okay, we can see why they hired him in the first year because he was aggressive, but they weren't aggressive enough. Like, yeah, they got up 27-0, but let's be honest, you get four turnovers to your <laughs> zero turnovers, you should be up at minimum thirty points by halftime. If you have give four turnovers and you have zero. they they settled for field goals one too many times and if they took one of those field goals that they had ended up taking in the red zone and tried to go for a touchdown even if you don't get it at least you pin Jacksonville way back in their own territory but if you do get it and you're up 31 to 0 come halftime I I don't think you lose that game I really don't like yeah it might have ended closer than we thought but you could have brought that off as, oh, they were up so many times or for so long that they just got conservative. Um No one's going to fault you for winning close when you were up 31-0. But I think that Shelly needs to look at what went wrong this season hard. Like, yeah, you technically did improve from the previous season, but I think that they took a step backwards in um, how they manage every game. And you're, and you're right. The Chargers every year. They're the darling. They're the dark horse. Like, hey, look at look at the talent on both sides of the ball. Like, What could go wrong? And every year, they always get a key injury here and there um, without fail. Uh, thankfully, they should get Rashawn Slater back before the year starts, which would be amazing. I mean, they already activated him uh, during the playoffs, so that was a positive sign. <sighs> but... Well, I don't want to talk so much about the Chargers. Like, I, I feel bad for them. I really do. I love Herbert. Herbert didn't deserve this. Not everyone who loves Tua was taking a victory lap. even though, you know, again, you're insane if you think that Tua is better than Herbert, but whatever. So, I guess for the Jags, is Lawrence now, in your opinion, a top five quarterback? Because I think that – I think you can easily make the case for that. I think we – did our best to like tamper expectations a little bit because despite um coming back in that game it, it was a lot of the chargers letting them back into that game so how where do you see lawrence and this jags team going forward i mean
1: i'm excited for the jaguars next year especially because they get calvin ridley next year um oh, that's but weird. but yeah i think uh Trevor Lawrence, I wouldn't quite put him in my top five, just because I want to see more consistency from him. But when you, like, the high, he has the highest of highs when you watch his highlights, but he also has the lowest of lows. Like, you saw a little bit in that Chargers game. Staley did a good job of tricking him in the first half, and, you know, he, he wasn't seeing people right. Like, I think he ran, like, a a sneaky cover two that went for a pick. And, um, you know, there's there's some growth there for Lawrence, but at the same time, he has the upside of Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. So I, I, I do expect by the end of next year, I'll like, I think Trevor Lawrence will be consistently on everyone's top five because he has those tools. He'll have two years under his belt. He'll have Doug Peterson,
0: so... It's it's looking positive for the Jags. Agree. And we'll get to that game in just a second. So let's move on to the Sunday game. So on Saturday, you finished 2-0. and Because we both took San Francisco minus 10 and San Francisco to win. But you took the Jags to win. So I went 1-1 one and one on both the spread and money line. And you went 2-0. and But going to Dolphins-Bills... Um, well, the Bills won thirty-four to thirty-one. Josh Allen kept them in the game thanks to you know, several turnovers. Skylar Thompson looked okay if not for his receivers consistently dropping balls. Um I I, I wanted to chalk this up to the Bills not taking the Dolphins seriously once they knew Skylar Thompson was in, but Josh Allen got sacked seven times. He had two picks. and he had a couple of fumbles. And they're coming to play the Bengals this coming week, who don't turn the ball over. Granted, they do have a leaky offensive line, and I think this is the first time that I'm officially a little scared for the Bills. Uh, I thought they'd be a team of destiny because of what happened a few weeks ago with DeMar Hamlin, but the, the Dolphins gave them – Everything they could handle. And if Tyreek and Waddle weren't dropping balls, I think they could have took this game with their third-string quarterback. And I I get it. It's a divisional game. um, Outside of the Niners game, both division games were close. But um, the Bills should have easily won this game. Uh, It should have been a non-contest, you know. Uh, Get up and then get your guys out and prepare for whoever you're playing in the following week. But I am officially scared for the bills.
1: Uh, I, I kind of disagree on that. Um, I think one interesting thing, I think everyone in the media was talking about how, um, you know, Oh, Skylar Thompson's a quarterback. So that means the bills are going to win by a billion. And they, everyone just totally neglected the rest of this Miami roster. I mean, they have two of the best deep threats in the league. I think if Jalen Waddle catches three of those deep balls that he dropped, Miami ends up winning this game. Agreed. They, uh, you know, Miami, everyone, everyone was concerned about the banged up offensive line. Um, I know they're missing their right tackle. Teron Armstead played, but they moved Robert Hunt out there. He looked pretty good. Um, and like I said, I, I, I think I said in the last podcast, Miami has one of the most underrated pass rushes in the league. They have people over the D line. And I think I predicted at least one strip sack from Josh Allen, just because they don't really have the best interior offensive line or right tackle. I think the only good guy on there is maybe Dion Dawkins, but I thought they're going to pressure Josh Allen, maybe get a strip sack. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. So I, I totally expected this outcome. Um, I think maybe more because I thought Miami would run the ball well, but is more Skylar Thompson throwing it around. But I think the, the weird thing about the NFL is that people correlate team success so much to the quarterback. When, you know, you look at Skylar Thompson, he's in the NFL for a reason. All these guys with no defense around could sling around the ball. And, you know, just because he's – you know his name's Skylar thompson and he probably had two rough games against good defenses people just count him out when in reality this whole roster is just stacked so and football's the ultimate team sport so i that's i think that's why i loved miami plus 14 just cuz that everyone just neglected the whole miami roster
0: you bring up a point that I have been I I guess that annoys me the most when it comes to how sports are talked about in the media, particularly football, is that you know, we always talk about the QB matchups, um, completely neglecting the fact that these two are never on this on the field at the same time. They're not playing under the same circumstances. Um it's very strange. That's why the Boy, like it was funny for me to like when the Chargers beat the Dolphins. That oh, Herbert's obviously better than Tua because he beat Tua straight up. Like, well, he beat the Dolphins' defense straight up, and you know, I try to be like that as well. Because it it, it really doesn't make any sense when you do a QB to QB matchups because you don't have the same teams, you don't have the same circumstances, the same coaches, and, and you're right. The the Bills. The Bills are a very flawed team. Their offensive line is not very good. They're so... Now, in saying all that, the Bills are about as quarterback-centric as you could possibly be because it's all on Allen's shoulders every week trying to muscle a game out. Because they... In the entire time that Allen's been there... I mean, Singletary's a okay running back, but they've never been able to develop a consistent run game to help him out. Um... And then Allen, I think, at times gets a little reckless. Like, when he threw up the ball that got picked in the red zone, it was uh, like, what What did you see there? Why did you throw that? Uh, and he just took away points off the board and, and went up going the other way. Uh, my Bills are still my Super Bowl pick. But, you know, I, God, this is just shaping up for the Chiefs to end up in the Super Bowl again, isn't it? Because all the other A's are are leaking right now. The the Bengals, we'll talk about them in a sec. And I don't think anyone expects the Jags to go into Arrowhead and beat them, but it's all shaping up for them. I'm a little mad about that. But, well, Bill's moving on. They face Cincy on Sunday. But I think in the biggest victory lap that I can take this year, the Giants beat the Vikings – and even though I took the Vikings to win this game, I don't care. I knew the Vikings were frauds all year. They they finished with a negative point differential on the season, despite being thirteen and four, which is almost a it's it's a feat in and of itself for how embarrassing it is. Uh, I called them frauds for the entire year, I, except for the week they beat the Bills. I gave them their flowers there, but even then, that was a very very um, dicey win. They just have no defense. Um, Daniel Jones, everyone's like, is he a top 10 quarterback now? I don't think so. I think it's a product of great coaching and uh, a terrible defense because Daniel Jones, I believe, has thrown for almost 700 yards on this Vikings defense. Um, I don't think this game was on Kirk Cousins. And yeah, we can talk about the fourth and eight where he threw it under the sticks to TJ Hawkinson. He was completely blanketed. But um, I think it's... I think it's the Minnesota defense that was just – it was awful all year, and it reared its ugly head at the worst possible moment because I think if the Vikings had a, you know, top 20 defense, they probably would have won this game easily, but they didn't Um, because the Giants didn't look anything remarkable. I think you can argue Daniel Jones had the best QB performance of the weekend aside from Dak, but – and, yeah, Isaiah Hodgins is apparently the second coming of Jerry Rice, according to some people. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think that – I think we all we, – we, we kind of talked about it last week. Like, we both took Minnesota to win, but this, this outcome was the least surprising of the weekend, I think, for me. Yeah.
1: I mean, we we both agreed. We both took Minnesota minus three mostly because, you know, they're playing in Minnesota. They have the luck. It, it is just like a – a deep down heart feeling that i thought the vikings would win this game but when you look at the analytics and everything and how the vikings play defense i i i knew that the giants were probably going to end up with this game and props to daniel jones he balled out this game but also i know i know you talked about yeah obviously isaiah Hodgins isn't the second coming of jerry rice but you know everyone talks about how the giants receivers aren't are, are pretty much nobodies, but I think people got to give them a lot more credit. I mean, Darius Slayton, Richie James, and Isaiah Hodgins, they would be a good wide receiver too on any team. I do think that they are missing like a true alpha number one, that maybe they could improve in this off season, but by no means is Daniel Jones throwing the nobodies. They, they, they all got separation, especially on Patrick Peterson Uh, Dable schemed everyone open, you know, they play this stupid two deep safety system. So Saquon ran all over him for a couple touchdowns. So it's definitely how I expected it to go, especially with Minnesota's um, right tackle was out. But also, uh, I I can't go out this game without talking about Dexter Lawrence. That guy abused Garrett Bradbury. Like he was in Kirk Cousins face every single play. And he had an absolutely monster game. That's one thing Minnesota has to improve in the offseason is their interior offensive line. But like I said earlier about the league being so quarterback-centric is that if anyone blames this game on, game on Kirk Cousins, you you need to wake up because he balled out this game. It, he was under pressure. He found the open man. He had a crazy completion percentage. So, yeah, I it, it was definitely set up for the – um Giants win they were just the better team the better coach team um but yeah Minnesota definitely has some holes and they finally got exposed from you know somehow winning all these one possession games because I will bet my life that they will never they will not win that many games next year because they went 11 11 and zero in one possession game so um but yeah I I just couldn't fade the Vikings in the bank, so that that was my reason you fit the minus three, but you know, I should have seen that coming.
0: Yeah, I, I did take the Giants plus three because I like like you said, Minnesota's gonna win a one possession game and they will not blow the Giants out. Um, <clears throat> but, but like I feel bad for Minnesota fans because they get dunked on in every professional sport. So it would have been cool to see them at least get a playoff win. But, um, you know, you, you have to be able to at least play some kind of defense in the playoffs. Um, You know, the Chiefs, back when they won it, they had a horrible defense in the regular season, but they were able to cobble it together in the postseason. Um, but Minnesota just didn't have the horses. And if you couldn't beat a Giants team, like, what were you going to do against San Fran and uh, Philadelphia? With what you had, like you were, you would you would have gotten more embarrassed if you played those, if advancing to play those two teams. So maybe maybe it's good that they just they died now, and they can go into the off season, um, looking to recalibrate. Uh, put it this way, I don't, I don't know if they win a division next year. To be honest, I think I think the Lions could take the division next year if the Lions are able to improve their defense somewhat. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Um,
1: I mean, the Lions improved their defense halfway through the season. Aiden Hutchinson will only get better. He played so many snaps this year, and they they have the Rams' six overall pick. Lions are running away with this division next year, and I don't think it's close. I think if if the Lions winning the NFC North is, like, in the, like, sports betting range is in, like, plus 100 or – Higher than that, like I'm absolutely going to put a lot of money on
0: that. I think we got to get in on it before Rogers declares whether or not he's coming back. So if Rogers does end up retiring, I think that their odds are going to plummet. But if Rogers does come back, and uh, the odds go up even higher for us, like so yeah, I'm with you. The Lions to win the division is going to be, everyone's going to love it. But I'm, I'm hopping on that train absolutely. But Going on to the Sunday night game. Off the field stuff, that I guess we could talk about with this. But on the field, this game went basically, you know, I said the glass game was the most predictable, but I lied. This was easily the most predictable game of the weekend. The Bengals won 24-17 thanks to Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard and Logan Wilson pulling off the, the play of the weekend. Uh, Tyler Huntley, for some stupid reason, instead of trying to, to go with his offensive line, tries to jump over the offensive line to score the touchdown, despite the fact that he, that they were on the, I believe, the two-yard line. So he would have had to cover two yards with his arms. Gets the ball punched out, lands in the hands of Sam Hubbard. They run it the other way which was a godsend because in the second half, the Bengals had three possessions and did absolutely nothing with them. Um, Bengals' offensive line loses another key player. Jonah Williams is week-to-week alongside Alex Kappa. So that means the right side of the line is decimated, and now the tackle on the left side is injured. So... At least they won't have to deal with an aggressive pass rush if they beat the Bills and then the Chiefs don't have to scare me. But it was a costly win, but they won. I think if Lamar plays, the the Ravens probably win the game. Oh, yeah. If
1: Lamar plays, they win that game. I mean, it, it the outcome was exactly what I expected because this, this Baltimore defense is... Crazy good. Definitely top five defense in the league. Um
0: Arguably the best defense that was remaining in the playoffs. And I know that's crazy to say with the Niners and Eagles being there, but I don't know if that's hyperbolic to say. They don't have star players like a Micah or a, a Nick Bosa. But Kyle Hamilton coming off a of rookie season was pretty amazing in this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Hamilton was
1: drafted really high for a reason. You could put him in the box. You could put him on a blitz. You could put him in the slot. He could play all over the place, and that was a huge pickup. And now they just traded for Roquan Smith, who's absolutely been killer for that defense. And like I said, um, they're really good at scheming up blitzes and and disguising coverages. And they have probably one of the best – secondaries in the league i think no one talks about you know marlon humphrey or marcus peters enough though those two are have been good for a long time um definitely one of the most underrated defenses in the playoffs i think we both agree those just going to be super low scoring and scrappy and um i mean it'll be interesting to see in the next couple rounds about the Bengals with the o-line injuries but i think we both agreed that if Bengals were completely healthy this would be their toughest game cuz of that defense and just John Harbaugh, Harbaugh being a scrappy coach so um but yeah obviously they lucked out on that fumble for a touchdown but um you know that's that's sometimes what happens in these games but you know Bengals move on they got done with their hardest opponent in my opinion so it'll be fun to see what they do in the next
0: couple of rounds yeah, and we'll get that rematch that we didn't get to see a few weeks ago between the Bills and Bengals, but the game that both of us got completely wrong. But also um, because the Cowboys beat the Bucks thirty-one to fourteen, uh, we both took the Bucks and the points. But let's be honest: if we took the name Brady off number 12's jersey and put it on some other guy, we would have taken the Cowboys easily, right? Oh, yeah. No, like the only I totally
1: goofed this game up, because if you look straight at the analytics and everything at this game, I mean, I I have to apologize for last podcast because I didn't do the Cowboys defense justice. I almost said they're not that good of a defense when they really are. So that was that was kind of more of playing towards the Brady narrative. But you're totally right. If if Brady didn't have his last name. Like, I – I it would have been Cowboys. Everyone would have chosen Cowboys. I think even the media favored Tampa Bay in this game. So, it's definitely the name, Brady on the back.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I need to give credit because he's been getting crapped on almost since he got back from injury in week eight. Dak had the game of the weekend. He had 300, 300 yards throwing, four touchdowns. And then he had an additional 25 yards on the ground with another rushing touchdown. He had no turnovers. He played an amazing game. He, had, he was 25 for 33. Which I don't want to do that math in my head right now, but it's pretty high for completion percentage. It's almost 80%. He was as perfect as you could possibly be in this game. And that was... With this Bucks defense that, while it's not as good as it used to be, it was still a decent defense, and he made it look easy. And if it wasn't for Brett Maher having a I'll just say a bad game, uh missing four extra points, this game would have never been in doubt. Because I, I was saying it after Maher missed the third extra point. I'm like, oh, you know, you just know the Bucks are going to win by a field goal, and those three extra points are going to come back to bite them. Because – That's just how it goes when you've been abused by Tom Brady for the last 20 years rooting for AFC teams. You're always waiting for the other shoe to fall and the other team to start, you know, falling on their face, but it didn't happen. The Cowboys, I think aside from Maher, played as complete of a game as they possibly could, and they should be feeling very good about going into San Francisco next week.
1: Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And I definitely got to give more credit to Dak Prescott because – I rarely have him in my top 10 quarterbacks, but I think this game, he he played just like Joe Burrow, just ultimate poise, super good pocket passer. Their O-line pre- played great. I think the addition of T.Y. Hilton is so underrated, even if it doesn't show up on the stat box. Like I'm so happy for him. Yeah, he, especially you as a former Colts fan, like he – he just knows how to get open and run crisp routes. It's like, he's kind of like Tyler Lockett. He's just this undersized guy that just gets open and it's, it's so cool to see. And um, yeah, I definitely underrated the Dallas Cowboys in this game and totally didn't look at the analytics correctly. So um, I think it, my analysis of this game this past week was definitely stemmed from Cowboys hate ingrained in me and, uh, just believing you know, it. and just knowing Brady's on the other side. So I think for now and forward, I definitely got to look at this definitely from an analytics perspective and give more respect to the Dallas Cowboys. Cause they played great, a great all around game. So I think they're honestly like, a. I, I said the Eagles and 49ers will run away, but I think they could potentially give the 49ers a fight in this next round.
0: I'm with you. So without further ado, let's go right into the it, divisional weekend. Get right into it and go run through these. So first game up. I'd say this is the lesser of the of the two games because we got the one seeds on Saturday. So we got Jags at Chiefs. Currently the spread is minus eight and a half going towards Kansas City. Over-unders at fifty-three. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was questionable as of today with a leg injury. So that's something to monitor. I don't think – I haven't heard anything serious about that. So might just be a uh, uh, maintenance thing. But, look, we saw this game earlier in the season when the Jags were a very different team. They got destroyed by the Chiefs. But, uh, obviously, I'm taking the Chiefs to win this because Mahomes – Look, the only reason I don't love Mahomes is because Nick Wright is the most insufferable analyst when it comes to talking about the Chiefs. But aside from that, I absolutely love Mahomes. And when he gets into the playoffs, he he's, he is the opposite of what Peyton was. But when Mahomes gets into the playoffs, he turns the game up to 11. And he I, – I, I really – it's hard to imagine seeing anything like this. So, oh. I think I'm taking the Chiefs minus eight and a half. I, I like the Jaguars have been a great story, um, but yeah, I think I'm going to go Chiefs minus eight and a half here, and then obviously Chiefs to win. Yeah, I totally agree with you.
1: Um, looking at this game at um, on the Kansas City offensive side, you know Mahomes is my my favorite and you know, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. So um, you definitely can't under underestimate that. I know last week I was talking a little bit how, um, about Jacksonville's pass rush, but um, I think everyone talks down on Kansas City's offensive line for some reason. When I, I know people are hating on Orlando Brown being in the Pro Bowl, but if you really line him up against the best tackles in the AFC – he's definitely up there in the top 5. So, um, I know Zach would hate that take, but I I think he's definitely a slept on tackle. They have one of the best interior um pass blocking in the in the league. Um, well they did you know,
0: exactly. the Bengals, oh, well, the Bengals did it. They rebuilt their offensive line after Mahomes ran for what like 400 yards uh in the Super Bowl against the Bucks and you know, it's been paying dividends at the plate, and they've been able to stay healthy.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, this. ever I don't know why people look down this offensive line, but I think it'll be able to. You know, Jacksonville will get some sacks here and there, but they're they're good. That I think um, they'll keep Mahomes under protection, and I mean, you look at the Jaguars guarding tight ends the last week like against the Titans at Austin Hooper and. Um, I forget the other guy's name. It's like Oconcro or something like that. Oh, Oconquo. Yeah, Oconquo. He uh they went off that game and you take you take a look last week. Evan Ingram just totally dashed them. And now you, you're facing one of the greatest tight ends of our generation and Patrick Mahomes. They're they're gonna abuse him. And I see Travis Kelsey having a good game. I don't think Jacksonville secondary is good enough to even guard these receivers. I see Kansas city putting up like almost 40 points in this game, especially because I think it's going to be similar to Pittsburgh versus Kansas city last year, where they just destroy them in the playoffs, like 40 to 20 and they don't mess around. And then uh, at least on the Jacksonville side, yeah, they'll get their points just because you have Trevor Lawrence, but I also think Kansas City has one of the most underrated secondaries in the league. They have two rookies coming on, that um, who McDuffie and Watson. They've been playing re- good football. Sneed's been really good. They have uh, two of the best co- cover linebackers in the league, a good safety duo in Thornhill and uh, Reed. Um, I think the only weakness, at least passing wise on this defense is the edge rushers. They could definitely improve there. But when you have Chris Jones, he's always going to affect the quarterback because if Aaron, if Aaron Donald retires, Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in the league. Um, I think he's going to really affect this Jacksonville offense. And I think the way you beat the Chiefs is by running the ball And the Jacksonville offensive line isn't that good at run blocking. So. I I totally think the Chiefs run away with this one, and I really think the spread should be more in the 10 to 14
0: range. So I'm totally hammering Kansas City. Agreed. I'd feel way different about this game if it was the Chargers playing them because, as we saw in the regular season, the Chargers played the Chiefs really tough and very close both times. And that's – I mean, Herbert hasn't been very successful winning-wise, but they've been able to keep it close against the Chiefs pretty much since Herbert has got there. Um, and look, Jacksonville's a great story, but I I think I won't be sh- I think if you want the Chiefs, I think you can wait later in the week to bet on them because I think this line goes down. I really do.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. I I listened to a couple podcasts that loved Jacksonville's line, but I totally think Kansas City's going to blow them out, especially because it's playoff time. It's not time to mess around. You're exactly you're blowing everyone out, and it's an Arrowhead, so crowd's going to be. The most insane it's been all year, you know, they're, they'll have communication issues. So I, I just don't see how
0: this isn't a higher line. Agreed. I think that the only team that really can uh, go toe to toe with the Chiefs right now is the Bengals. And it's not necessarily because of their offense. It's because the Bengals defense just knows how to get Mahomes off the spot. And the and, and Cincinnati is. I'm really glad he's not getting a lot of interviews for uh, head coaching jobs because I want him to stay in Cincinnati. But I don't trust this Jags defense to do enough to Mahomes. And I think if it's Bills-Chiefs next week, um, I look based on what I saw with the Bills last week, I don't think Mahomes will have any issue against this defense like he'd had earlier in the season. But going on to the next game, Giants-Eagles at Eagles is probably the least interesting game of the weekend, if I had to guess. Philadelphia is minus seven and a half, and I get that the Eagles played Giants close in Week 18. Giants weren't playing anyone. Eagles were playing for everything, but well, the Eagles weren't trying very hard in that game. They just wanted to win. Um, Hertz was coming back off his injury. The Giants, much I see this game very much like the Chiefs-Jags. Giants, great story. You've got nothing to put. Happiness right now. You won a playoff game for the first time, and you've been to the playoffs for the first time. And when was the when was the yacht game that the Giants receivers went to and then got blown out in uh, Greece? I think it was the Packers. I think it was 2016 they got blown out by the Packers. Yeah. So, I mean, look, great story. And I'm not going to discount the fact that it's a divisional game. But we saw the Eagles and Giants at full strength in, I think, week 10 or 11, and it wasn't competitive. The Eagles blew them out. And I think with Hertz getting two weeks to heal up, he wasn't on the injury report as of today, which is a great sign. I like the Eagles, and I like them. I wish it was seven and not seven and a half. But I think that the – I I like Daniel Jones – I don't – calling him, like, the discount Josh Allen is probably apropos. But uh, the Eagles just have a overwhelming amount of talent, and I think that this game is it another blowout. Unfortunately, because I think two games are going to be blowouts on Saturday. So, at least you can go do other stuff, I suppose. But I'm taking Philly with the points. Yeah,
1: I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think we're fortunate that this line's right now at seven and a half. I think because everyone's like, oh, the Eagles haven't been playing good recently. And, um, you know, they only won by six against New York the first time. But if you really watch that game, I mean, they only scored – the Eagles only scored one touchdown. They had five field goals, and they – I think Hertz even had a red zone pick. They got stuffed in the red zone so many times. I mean, they they left so much meat on the bones that whole game. It really could have easily been like 40 to 16. So I think we're lucky that that game happened because it should be nowhere near seven and a half. It should be just like the Chiefs and Jags game um, up at 10 or 14. But when you really look into this matchup, Eagles have probably one of the best pass rushes in the league all around from the interior and exterior. They – they just get after the quarterback. I think they have four guys with like double digit digit sacks and against a team like the giants that has a shaky O line outside of Andrew Thomas. I think they're going to get after Daniel Jones and fluster him. I think it's going to be very similar to how the game went earlier in the year where they won like 40 to 20. Um, And then even on the defensive side, like the giant, I mean, the giants have a good defensive line, but outside of that, You have to guard A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. I mean, even if Lane Johnson is out, this is just too much for the Giants team to ask for. And, I mean, great season, but I think it's time to pack it back to New York for this one. Unfortunately, we won't have good games on Saturday, I think, but Sunday should be pretty excited, in my opinion.
0: Agreed, and I'm looking to see what Lane Johnson's status is right now. He was a limited participant in practice, so that's great. And if he is playing, then I'm even more confident in my pick with them. But uh, even if he doesn't end up playing, I think that it's not going to be close. But hey, Brian Dayball, coach of the year, I don't think that's unreasonable to ask for. Um, I, I think he's probably the clear cut one. I don't, I don't love giving coach of the year to the guy whose team just comes out of nowhere because Sirianni. Yeah, they went 14-3, and but let's be honest, this team, you could have had Matt Nagy coaching this team. They probably would have still had double-digit wins with how much talent is on there. I don't want to discount Sirianni by any means, but I think what Dayball did, given the state the Giants were in, left in the wake of, you know, um, oh, my God, who was the – you had Gettleman and Joe Judge leaving this team in shambles last year. And the fact that they've gone 10-7-1 so far is nothing short of impressive. I think you could also give it to Doug Peterson for this year. And obviously Kyle Shanahan, too, given the fact that he's had a carousel at quarterback. They haven't, they've not only not missed the beat, they have seem to have gotten better, despite the fact that they have a seventh-round pick at quarterback. But Giants, good season. It ends this weekend, but nobody expected you to be here. Much like the Hawks last week, you know. Take this season as a plus and go into the offseason with with a smile on your face. But do you think they they have to pay Jones, right? Like they don't. They don't have a choice
1: in this matter. No, I think what he showed last week. I think they pay Jones because once they get like, because I don't think you have to pay Jones that much. If he's demanding more than thirty mil, like I. Then I'd get rid of him, but I think the fact that you could probably get Jones on a good deal and, um, you know, hopefully Evan Neal, their top six pick, was it? Hopefully he pans out Um, because he hasn't had a good season, but once they shore up both tackles, they maybe get an alpha number one. Um, That offense is going to be dangerous because Daniel Jones is like a a good – middle-tier quarterback to have, especially with his athleticism and upside. So I think they have to pay him, and if they
0: could get him for a good deal, that's great for that team. Agreed. And I think that most I, – I would like to believe that most teams are smart enough to realize that Jones probably won't work as well outside of the system that Dayball's built. Uh, it infuriates me seeing this because Dayball could have been the coach for the Chargers, which <sighs> – Uh, Should have been insane. It hurts my soul, but you know they're going to get Frank Reich and everything's going to be okay. All right, moving on to Sunday. I I don't know what game you want to pick as the game of the week between these two because I think they're both stellar games. First one up is Bengals at Buffalo. Buffalo's four and a half point favorites. As we talked about recapping the Bengals and Ravens game, Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams are both questionable as of right now, but they're week to week, so they're, they're not playing this week, which means the Bengals are down three stars on the offensive line. Um, you know I'll let you go first on this one. Um, yeah.
1: it's right now.
0: If you were to ask me
1: which one between these two is the game of the week – It's definitely this game. Um, I think the Dallas and San Francisco game is um, more of a question because I think Brock Purdy hasn't played a real defense yet. So I think it will be a game that's interesting to see, but I don't think it will be game of the week. Um, But in terms of this game, uh, yeah, having having the starters out for Cincinnati, definitely – painkiller for them um but on the bright side you do have joe burrow who's probably the most poised quarterback in the league and you know even with the O line last year he took his quarterback to the there he took his team to the playoffs because the man could just gets the ball off quick knows where he's going one of the most smartest quarterbacks in the league i think even with a bad O line they'll be able to create some movement on offense against um, these Buffalo Bills. I think if Von Miller was on Buffalo still, or not on Buffalo, but if he was off the, if he wasn't injured, I'd probably favor Buffalo. Um, but you know Buffalo will definitely get their sacks. Um, they'll get the Burrow just because it's O line shaky. But I think Burrow is just so good, being poised and getting the ball out quick that. I think he'll he'll be able to create some points and some yards against this team. They'll definitely be hard. It won't be. It'll probably be similar to kind of the Ravens matchup, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think he'll he'll be able to create something on offense. But on the other side, um, I'm so interested to see what defense Cincinnati runs against Buffalo because if they, I I could envision them running that system that they ran. Against that they run against Chiefs, just rush three, drop it, and make Allen make a play because that that defense is just so good against these teams that are are just so pass heavy. I mean, you look at last week, Josh Allen's just trying to air the ball out against the Bengals. He's like he's kind of an impatient quarterback. He's he doesn't take what's given to him. So I I could definitely see Cincinnati just stopping their run, spying on Allen, dropping eight back and flustering him in that way. So it'll definitely be an interesting game to see. I think the the starting line for the over-under was at like 51 and it's already dropped to 48. So I think pros definitely know this game is going to be super low scoring because it's going to be interesting, interesting to see because the Bengals don't have the pass blocking. But the Bengals also have the perfect defense against Josh Allen. So I think it's going to be a really close game that's going to come down to the last field goal, and I, I'm just so excited to watch it. Um, if I were to pick, I'm definitely going I, – I mean, I don't think Cincinnati should be at plus five. I think it should be more towards the four or three range. So I'm 100% nailing the Cincinnati plus five. But in terms of who's winning, I, I think Cincinnati gets it done because I trust Joe, Joe Burrow that much, and I trust this defense that much.
0: Yeah, and you're right. The spread actually just moved real time from four and a half to five, so I've, I'm i taking Cincy here, and look, it's hard to take anything from the game that never was between these two a few weeks ago, but the Bengals were driving down the field with relative ease. The first drive, they scored a touchdown immediately, and that second drive looked like they were going go to go up 14-3. to um, I think, and you're right because the Bengals had as the worst offensive line in the playoffs last year, and they went three and one, and came within a a, a second of stopping Aaron Donald, and then Burrow hitting Jamar Chase, who turned Jalen Ramsey in a burnt toast for the win. Oh, yeah. Um. So it's it's not crazy to say that the offensive line won't be the worst thing uh, that they have to deal with going forward. Cause I, I think that you're right. If Von Miller was playing this game, I'd probably see it differently, but losing him has been a huge for their pass rush. And the chiefs have Chris Jones, but I mean, they couldn't do anything to burrow a few weeks ago and they couldn't do anything to burrow. Um, after the second half in the AFC championship last week or last year. And you're, you're right. Burrow's my guy. He is as poised as you could possibly ask a quarterback to be. Nothing phases him. Uh, it helps that he's got two of the well, – he's got a great receiver and then two very, very good receivers in Higgins and um, and Boyd. And I need, I need to give a shout-out to Hayden Hurst because he has been – a godsend this year he's been an amazing free agent acquisition for them whenever he's out there uh he just he goes and fights for every single yard that he can get uh, i swear this past year he's always been the guy on a critical third down he'll get it he'll fight for extra yards Um glad to see that he's healthy for this game but i think you talked me into it i think i'm going to take cincy to win this and then go to their second consecutive AFC championship. Now, I will say this. I will be bummed if Cincy loses, but I won't be sad to see the Bills in the AFC championship. I I love both these teams. Uh, They're both downtrodden teams who have been on the upswing the last few years. They're exciting teams. I love Allen. I love Burrow. And I just, bottom line, I hope this is a really good, really close game. Um, And then... May the best man go play the Chiefs the following week. Oh yeah,
1: totally agree. I think I can't complain if Buffalo wins. I definitely want to see Josh Allen win a reign. So and especially with the DeMar Hamlin story, I'm sure everyone's pulling for
0: Buffalo. So exactly. Yeah. All right. Last game, Cowboys at Niners. Well, this game would have been a lot easier to pick. If the Cowboys didn't look so freaking good on Monday night. Um, but I'm sticking with my guns with San Francisco uh, until I see the shoe fall off on Brock Purdy, and he turns in a truly awful game. I think that Kyle Shanahan will do more than enough to keep him comfortable, even against this brutal Dallas pass rush. Um, the Niners' offensive line is very, very good. You know, Trent Williams is arguably the the best non-skill player in the NFL. He's just a beast on that offensive line and i think the niners can do enough on defense against dallas's offense to keep them off so i'll take the niners i believe the spread is still minus three and a half yeah it was mine mm-hmm. because that would be very nice for me but i think i think until further notice the niners in my opinion are still the best team in the nfc
1: oh yeah um yeah this was the game. It's really hard for me to pick Because um, I think if just based off of matchups I mean both of these teams have crazy pass rush, both of them like on the defense on the defensive side of the ball, both of these teams are top five in the league like they they playing great all year. I disrespected this Dallas defense last week definitely um they're, they're definitely a lot better than when I talked about them last week. I mean, they have Micah Parsons, arguably, defensive part of the year. I think Nick Bosa, who's also in this matchup, wins it. But, you know, you have DeMarcus Lawrence. You have Dante Fowler. And then you have Eric Armstead on the other side and a whole bunch of people that just want to get after the quarterback. I think both quarterbacks are going to be pressured a good amount. Both teams have really good weapons. You have Tony Pollard, CeeDee Lamb. And now T. Y. Hilton on the Dallas side. And I won't sleep on Michael Gallup or Dell Schultz. They're definitely two underrated players. But also on the San Francisco side, you have crazy amount of weapons, which I definitely trust more with Debo, IU, Kittle, and McCaffrey. Honestly, these two teams are so similarly built. Um
0: You I almost wish this game was the NFC Championship and not divisional round because you're you're right these teams according to pro football focus are ranked third and fifth respectively i don't know so pro football focus has buffalo and kansas city above san francisco i don't i don't, I don't know if i agree with that but these teams are top five all around and if maher can get his act together i, I think that this game man i'm actually talking myself into dallas plus three and a half right now yeah I probably shouldn't um it's no slight to the Dallas, but it, the Niners are they just they have seem to have it everywhere.
1: Yeah, this is definitely a game I left to my model and my model thinks that San Francisco wins by 7, but at the same time this is, this is my difference between these two teams. Brock Purdy, I mean, even though San Francisco is favored by 7 on my model, he hasn't played a good defense. Yeah. And he's facing Micah Parsons. He's facing he, – he's never faced a defense like Dallas. So, I like, this game really comes down to is if Brock Purdy is flustered and he gives a couple turnovers and he's not ready for a defense like this. Um, But also, if Dak Prescott plays how he did last week, it's going to be a really close game. Like, I, I'm so intrigued about this matchup. But I could definitely see one team just running away with it at the same time. But if I, I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take San Francisco and the minus three and a half. Um, it, it pains me to say it, but I, I'm, I'm just going to trust Kyle Shanahan, the scheme people open for Purdy. I, it, it's been happening. I'm just going to trust it but it's definitely by far my least confident pick of the week because I actually think Dallas has a good chance of upsetting San Francisco.
0: I'm with you on that. And, in fact, I'm changing my pick. I'm taking Dallas plus three and a half. I, I'm going to feel stupid next week because I'm going to see Mike McCarthy's fat face at the end of the game when they're down by, like, 14. I'm like, why why, why did I why did I take Dallas plus the points? Because I, I don't think this game is going to be like what it was last year in the wild card. Um, mm-hmm. The Niners were owning the game, and then Dallas kind of clawed their way back and then had some stupid, um, I mean, Dak made it. I mean, let's be honest, Dak made a poor decision in the final drive of that game. But I think between these two games, I, I I think the total points between all four of these teams might be like less than 10 points. I think these are as evenly matched teams that you could want on a Sunday. It's easily the better day of the two because you obviously got the 2-1 seeds so going up against the lowest seeds. I, I I was really impressed with what Dallas did on, on, on Monday night. I, I didn't think they had it in them. Dak played a clean game for the first time all year. Not only did he play a clean game, he played arguably one of the best quarterback games of the year. Um, he was dealing and you're right, the addition of TY Hilton really helps out. Dalton Schultz is a very underrated tight end. And CeeDee Lamb has exploded onto the scene. And with Pollard fully healthy, him and Zeke, you know, tag teaming. Uh, I think that I think that they'll be able to move the ball against the San Francisco defense. And like I had talked about against the Hawks, you know, you can throw on the San Fran defense. And if Dallas's O-line can hold up, I think Dak can make some plays to keep this close. That being said, they are the Cowboys, so I, I don't have a, a whole lot of trust in them. And again, as we talked about, if it wasn't for them facing Tom Brady, uh, the outcome would not have been very surprising at all on Monday night. So I fully expect the Niners to win, but I think I think Dallas loses by a field goal. Maher being shaky, that's very much in uh, a possibility.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It it, you know. Now that we're talking about it, I'm going to call this this my game of the week. I'm just so excited for Sunday. I think the Saturday games are just going to be blowouts, but it's going to be so cool to see what the hell happens on Sunday. I'm I'm just
0: looking so forward to it. Yeah. Well, that does it for the divisional round. Uh, There's been no news that's come out as we were talking. I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about. Get your opinion on is has Lamar Jackson played his last game in Baltimore? Because that seems to be the going trend. Uh, talking about non-playoff teams anymore. This, ooh, I mean,
1: I, 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 I don't see how they get rid of Lamar. I mean, that dude is—he's won an MVP. He, if he's healthy. But I think the Ravens are the number one seed if he's literally healthy. Like I, if if the Ravens think over this, I think they are completely stupid. And whoever gets Lamar Jackson is already a Super Bowl contender because that that dude is such a difference maker with his legs, with his improvisation. He could like even if he's playing a good defense, he can break stuff down, and that's he has stuff that he just can't teach in quarterbacks. Um, I think I, I think if the Ravens don't keep him, I'll be so
0: surprised. I hope you're right, because Lamar, just, he, he just looks good in a Ravens jersey uh, to begin with, just aesthetic-wise. And you're right, he's won 70% of his games being there. He's won an MVP. They have never surrounded him with great talent like Buffalo did for Josh Allen, like what Kansas City did for Mahomes like what Cincinnati has done for Burrow or, I mean, I guess the Chargers had Mike Williams and Canaan before Herbert got there. But, you know, when healthy, the Chargers' skill position players are really good. And then Miami for Tua. Uh, The best that they've done is get him Rashad Bateman, who I think if those two stayed healthy this year, you're not crazy. They could have gotten the one seed easily. And they will be fools if this – relationship breaks down over money. Um the the Watson deal definitely threw a wrench into everything. Um nobody was happy about the deal that the Browns made with Watson. But it seems like they've recovered from it because Kyler Murray didn't get a fully guaranteed contract after the Watson trade. So I think that'll go back to the status quo eventually. Um but I don't know. I, I don't want it to be the end. But I have some teams that I think would be most likely to get him. Number one is actually your team, the Hawks, because it was thrown out on Twitter, and I saw that, and I was like, you know, as much as the Hawks would probably want to rebuild with their picks and keep Geno, they get Lamar. Uh, I don't know if you can call them a dark horse Super Bowl team, but they would be on my list, at least for the NFC to win the NFC handedly. How do you see that? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd never thought of Lamar Jackson being a Seahawk, but once he said that, I just – my eyes just opened so wide because that would be incredible. That they – I mean, Geno Smith's a good quarterback, but Lamar Jackson's like one of those quarterbacks that has things you can't teach other quarterbacks that will make you a contender any year. And it's (laughs) – I I to- I would totally take him on my team, like I know I love Geno Smith, but man, if Lamar Jackson's available, I'm taking him.
0: Yeah, and then I had I had the Dolphins on the list as well until the I mean I guess they they can say they want to keep Tua, but if they have a chance to trade for Lamar, I think that they would probably take that. Uh, I don't see that being very likely, but again, if they trade for Lamar, pff, Lamar with Tyreek and Waddle. Um, yeah, the Bills have some stiff competition in the AFC East, which would be the same thing for the Jets. I don't know what they'd have to give up for any of these. I mean, I guess the Hawks. I would imagine the two first-round picks this year maybe a first uh, next year. But I think the Jets, Dolphins, Seahawks would be my top three. And then the other one I threw on would be the Colts because, of course, like I – hate this team so much though of course they'd get one of my favorite players and then yeah so that'd be that but my number one is is the Ravens I want him to stay on the Ravens but yeah I'm with if, if he goes to the Hawks the Hawks are Hawks might be my pick to win the Super Bowl I, I believe in Lamar so much I think that look him, him, him not traveling for the game didn't bother me at all um, I know that a lot of people got up in arms about it uh, look we don't know what kind of injury he's dealing with. And, and the former players saying that he needs to put a brace on it and get out there, like, shut up. Don't don't tell a player what to do when his health is in question or talk about his money. That I think aside from the whole quarterback-centric debates that everyone has every day, talking about what players should do for their money when, for the team side, it's all business. But the players are expected to – Make like the personal decisions, and you know, put themselves more at risk for their future. Uh, I think it's asinine, and I think Lamar, I think Lamar should keep doing what he's doing personally, get the money, however you can.
1: Oh yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, um
1: yeah, it. it I think we talked about Baker Mayfield a little bit last year because I know he had a shoulder injury, and I I had some hype on Baker Mayfield. I know this year didn't really prove my um faith and baker mayfield right but if you're hurt people judge you so much at the quarterback position so it's not even worth playing and hurting your value so and i mean lamar even tweeted about it like i i like you know a huge part of my game's running i i can't run so i'm not gonna play because i think the next guy up is better than what i can do so um yeah, I totally agree that he shouldn't have played. But, yeah, I I never thought of Lamar on the Hawks, so it's getting me excited thinking about it a tiny bit. But that that would be cool because he'll finally have two elite receivers in DK and Tyler for the first time in his career. Um, They have a sick tight end room. I think Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, both of our tackles, are going to make such a huge jump from – this year to next year because they played like a thousand snaps. So any any young quarterback that goes on the Hawks is going into probably one of the best situations in the league. I think so. Um, even if it's a veteran, so it it excites me. But I think if he does go to a team, just because I think the Hawks like Geno, I think he would probably go to the Jets because that that's a real team that I think is really a quarterback away from being. Um. A consistent playoff team in the AFC. So it, it, it'll be cool to see in the offseason.
0: Yeah, I think it's all going to amount to nothing. It'll just be uh, Lamar staying on the Ravens, kind of like the past couple of years, like with Rodgers. Like, oh, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? Oh, he's with the Packers. Okay, well, that was lame. I, I think it'll be a lot like that, um, and I hope I'm right about that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, well, we got an exciting division weekend. And then next week, championships. I'll probably skip the Pro Bowl week, to be honest, because, I mean, who cares about that anymore? I'm happy it's not an actual game anymore. But uh, And then the Super Bowl is in three weeks. Football is almost over, but we'll still be here. Uh, Thanks, pal, for coming on, and uh, I will speak to you next week.
1: Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always a blast. Absolutely.